You're listening to the KRFY Morning Show podcast uh, for February 22nd, 2023. We joined this conversation kind of in the middle of it, actually right at the beginning. Uh, Phil Huff and Jennifer Grieve is his guest. Jennifer is the principal and dean of students at the Forest Bird Charter School, and that's what you'll hear her talking about uh, right as we begin. Thank you for subscribing or downloading this podcast and now turning it over to Phil with Jennifer Grieve. Ninth grade school. Um, it was Sandpoint Charter School for many, many years. Uh, we were in the old Northern Lights building uh, down where Mountain West Bank is now. Um, and we had, you know, a a passel of kids and their families that took a chance on what we were trying to do. Um, we worked with, at that time, a very strict methodology on projects um, that kids remember better if you give them an event or a project tied to the lesson. Um, and so everything was steeped in that. Um, and as we progressed, then we moved to high school. Um, it, it, and that was just a lot of different changes within education itself and then our community's needs that we now have ended up with grades 6 through 12. Um, so, I mean, that's kind of the, the brief version mm -hmm. of the history. So I'm, I'm sort of vaguely remembering when the high school was built, but mm -hmm. when did the high school come online? Oh, man, I knew you were going to ask me that about yeah, grades. Roughly. <laughs> roughly. Yeah. Um, Probably right around 2009, 10, yeah. right in there. That sounds about right. We'll, we'll say 2009. Okay, let's split the yeah. difference right there. There we go. <laughs> yeah. So uh, back to the philosophical uh, approach. Mm -hmm. what, how does uh, the charter school's curriculum or approach differ from other schools? You know, I, one of the things that I really like about us is that we're always evolving to meet the needs of the kids that are right there in front of us. We started with this very heavy project-based learning um, which worked really well for kids 20 years ago. Um, as we evolved, we have added in our high school, we are very much in line with using dual enrollment with the state. So we're letting kids go to college and practice being in college before they leave us, which when you look at some of the statistics, and I don't, don't ask me the statistics right now, I haven't looked at them in a while, but as far as Idaho kids and their success in college, it feels really important to give kids that opportunity to practice it so that they know what they can do. Um, we have also evolved within our um, school community working on more community skills with the kids and civil discourse within the projects and the teamwork activities that we do. So my favorite thing is that it continues to evolve um, with how we're doing our projects and our activities and our events and the kind of community and young adults we're helping these kids to become um, with the help of their family. I think that's mm -hmm. probably, I really need to emphasize our families and how great they are. They come in and they take chances with us all the time in the hopes that it's going to work, and so we build a great relationship with them. So how does the dual enrollment work here? The only uh, college campus locally I'm aware of is the extension for North Idaho College. Mm -hmm. Did, the kids utilize that or they travel farther or go online? There's a couple different ways that you can do it. And um, it's nice that the Idaho colleges are using it more. I know that some of the schools are using NIC like we do. Some are using U of I like we do. I mean, some are using even Lewis Clark State College down in Lewiston like we do. I mean, there's the Idaho colleges and universities have been really great working with it. So what happens is a student signs up with the state of Idaho for advanced opportunities. They get a little bank account attached to their name. 
and they can use those funds to take classes at any of the colleges in, in Idaho while they're in high school. And the term dual enrollment means that they take that one chemistry class, let's say, from NIC, U of I, LCSE, wherever, they get that college credit for it, but then they get duly credited in their high school for graduation as well. So it marks off two. Um, we will be having two students of our graduation class this year that are graduating with um, uh, their associate's degrees, one from North Idaho College, one from Lewis Clark State College. Um, so some kids are doing that. Others are doing it just so they can get a little bit ahead with some of their credits. And some of them are, are doing it because they're not sure they want to go to college and they want to see what it's like. And so they take a few classes and then can decide, oh, this works for me. No, I'd rather go to a vocational school. No, I'd rather take a year and just work. So do, in order to do this, do they take more time in high school? Or are they graduating mm -hmm. later or are they graduating on they're the graduating biological on time. clock, but mm -hmm. just a little bit further ahead? Yeah, they're graduating on time. It's mm -hmm. just that they're graduating with college credits, ready to walk into a, a university if that's what they choose to do. Mm -hmm which is really kind of nice. So tell us a little more about how the, the school, as I understand it, is a, uh, a public charter school mm -hmm. as opposed to a private charter school. Mm -hmm. And I think it would be really helpful to a lot of our listeners to just hear the fundamental differences mm -hmm. between those two. Well, and what's interesting is I think that there's a, a huge myth out there that charters are private. They're, they're not. The, the law specifically in Idaho states if you are a charter school and you're accepting public dollars, you are a public charter school. There is no taking of funds or tuitions like that at all. Um, so there's no cost to attend our school other than maybe the field trip cost because we do a lot of field trips too. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, but there's no tuition is what people think when you enter a charter school in Idaho. We are bound by this, many of the same laws that any of the traditional public schools are bound by. We do the state testing. Um, our school's in line to renew its accreditation next year. Any of those requirements are there. Um, and then sometimes charters have a little extra that they're looking at because, you know, the state's taking a chance with you and your teaching methodologies, and they want to make sure that you are preparing the students of Idaho appropriately. So they're going to do a little more, you know, checking in on you, so to speak. Mm -hmm. uh, but, yeah, it's really interesting to me that after all the years, um, we weren't the first charter school, but we were one of the first. So let's say, you know, 23 years, um, that's still a myth that's out there that charters are private mm -hmm. and they're not. And so the, the public funding comes uh, in a similar fashion to what we'd call other public schools through appropriation. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's exactly the same formula. Um, through COVID, they were just looking at the basic numbers, enrollment that a school had. Um, legislation is now deciding on whether we're going to go back to what's called ADA, average daily attendance. Um, and it's the exact same formula like Ponder A School District uses, uh, West Bronner County uses, you know, it, it, Coeur d'Alene, it's the same mm -hmm. formula. And so does that tie you closer to the like Pondre School District in terms of activities or events or cross-curriculum? Not really. What's interesting is that <clears throat> you almost treat a charter like it's its own school district. Um, Mary Jensen, my co-leader, and I, we are the district office, the school, the front office, everything all in one little space. Um Lake Pondre School District has been amazing in that their school board is what's called our authorizer, and it's their job to keep an eye on us. 
and to make sure that we're using our public funds appropriately, that we our children are passing ISAT tests and that we're doing our curriculum appropriately, that they're, when they graduate, they have a quality education from the state of Idaho. And we've had just a really wonderful working relationship with them. Mary just presented to their board at Lake Pondere's last board meeting how we're doing. Um, and it was really nice to receive some compliments from uh, Geraldine and Becky Meyer that, you know, that they trust us, they trust what we're doing, uh, they like what we're seeing. And so it makes it for a really nice relationship. Mm-hmm. Now, on the flip side of that, any of our kids, that, let's say they wanted to go and play basketball or volleyball or whatever. Um, we've had some kids run cross country for Matt Brass. Our kids can go and be a part of any of those sports or extracurricular activities that the district does offer. Hmm. Okay, so there's a uh, some mixing then with the extracurriculars. Right. Yeah, that's where we can do that. Do any of the uh, high school students come over to the high school for specific classes or opportunities? Not right now. <clears throat> we have had that in the past, but we haven't had it for quite a while. Um, it's logistically, it's just really tricky trying to match the schedules up between the two schools. Um it's no other reason truly other than that. It's, yeah. you know, there is a funding piece that we figure out and we're say, okay, if it's what the, is best for the kids, great. It's just logistically, it just doesn't tend yeah, to work. Not, physically, not that far apart, really. No, no, pretty we're close. Yeah, yeah, we're really close. We're, yeah, we're down behind the county building, kind of in our own little corner of the world of Sandpoint. So <laughs> now you mentioned the buses going out to uh, various places. What's the footprint? Is there a geographic footprint that, uh, that you maintain? Well, for our charter, um, we pull from Bonner County first. Um, that is our primary. Well, let me back up and qualify. And this because this relates to open enrollment as well. We pull from our local district first. Um, anybody who wants to uh, come to our school, that's our primary geographical starting point. Then we move to Bonner County as a whole. And then after that, anybody outside the county that wants to attend our school and we have space, they can come and attend as long as they're in the state of Idaho. Uh, and so we have we have families from up Moye Springs area. We've had families up just not far for the Canadian border. Conversely, we've had families um, out Clark Fork, close to the Montana border. We currently have a couple families driving from Old Town right now. I don't can't finance a bus going out that way i'm real trying really hard though <laughs> yeah um and then uh, for a few years we had some families that were coming all the way from athol area so it takes a commitment it is it's a huge commitment and that's why we work so hard to build the relationships with our families that we do as we know it's you know when you talk about charters you talk about school of choice you're making a choice these families made a choice and a commitment to us. So we're going to do the same with them and do whatever we can to try to help them. We had a kiddo that, um, variety of reasons was living in Kokolala and was out on the West side in the Hills up there and couldn't get to school for a variety of reasons for him. So we were trying to figure out all the best ways that we could maybe just start picking this kid up to get her to school in the interim. Luckily the family was finding another option, but you know, they made the commitment to us. We're going to make it to them, too. So let's talk about the choice. Uh, when and, and how do the families elect select to have their kids attend? Well, so the way that the law is set up in Idaho is that every charter school has to have an enrollment period. And that, I think, caters to this misunderstanding about private versus public for charter schools. 
you are essentially submitting your name to be in the school for the next year. Um, so we open up an enrollment period. We're in it right now, February through March. You come by the school or you can get on our website and fill out an application and send that in. We collect everybody's names. Once we've determined how many of our current students are returning, that helps us identify how many seats we have available in each grade. So let's say in my seventh grade, I've got, you know, 50 of those kids returning, then I'm going to have four seats available. If 40 of them are returning, I'm going to have 14 seats available because we can set the number of students per grade level at a standard. And we just say that's how many we can take. Um, so families will send in those applications at the end of the enrollment period. If, going back to my example, I had 14 seats in seventh grade and I have 13 kids that have applied, all 13 of those kids are in, no questions asked. I, doesn't, I don't care. They're mm -hmm. in. So there's no um, scholastic aptitude or other financial nope. aptitude test? Nope. Financial. I like a financial aptitude yeah. test. <laughs> Nobody should give me that. <laughs> um, yeah. No, there's nothing like that. They're just in. No They're questions asked. Yeah. Now, if I have 15 kids, just one over, I have to do a lottery. And mm -hmm. so every kid's name goes into a hat or a box or something. The, I know The new kids. The new kids, okay. right. Um, and I know some of the bigger charters have, you know, computer programs that can do this. We're just super old school because it's kind of fun to put names in a hat yeah. and draw them out. Yeah. But that's what we do is we put their names in and we draw them out. And then we see if anybody that's coming in has a sibling in a different grade because there are sibling clauses. Um, once one is in, the other one is also in. And then we just go through each grade level. So what happens if a family moves here? <coughs> Midway through the year, is there an opportunity for them to enroll if there's an open spot? Yeah, there is. Um, we try to, because we work on trimesters instead of semesters, um, we do have a cutoff point because it would be not servicing the child to take them after a certain number of weeks because it's just really hard to get caught up at that point in time. But the first of the year, if we have seats and families want to come in September, we've got seats, come on in. Um, and then in January, we do the same thing. We work with the families because we know it's a little, our trimester starts first thing in January, whereas the district is winding up their first semester. And so for high school students, we work with the families to make sure the kiddo doesn't miss too much of our world if they want to transfer. But if we have a seat and you want to come in January, you can come in January. Mm -hmm. Well, if you have just tuned in, this is 88.5. FM KRFY, the morning show, Wednesday's edition, hosted by Phil Huff. And this morning in the studio with me is Jennifer Grieve from the Forest Bird Charter School. We're going to take a little break and uh, get Art Garfunkel's take on schooling and then come back and hear more from Mary. So stay tuned. Art Garfunkel, what a wonderful world. Don't know much about biology, but I don't think that's true of the students at the <laughs> Forest Bird Charter School. Welcome back to the morning show with our guest Jennifer from uh, the Forest Bird Charter School talking about how uh, how the school is really set up and the experiences the students mm -hmm. go through and how that's uh, somewhat different than the typical public schools. So let's pick up there with some of the things that you have planned that the school has planned for the coming uh, trimester. Well, what I think is the most fun, I mean, we do have a lot of things that I'll, I'll go through, but we just finished, one of our teachers just finished ho hosting a ham radio roundup. At the school. And so we had all these gentlemen in the local community who do ham radio. Um, our teacher's been teaching it to our students. And so we had a roundup all week long where 
kids in the ham radio club, um, kids in different classes, kids in the middle school, even one of our secretaries got to go sign up for 30 minute spot. And the guys would walk them through the script and what to do. And it was to see how many connections we could make across the world, which was really cool. Um, and that's evolving into this teacher's going to be doing a broadcast uh, journalism class this trimester, and he's actually going to have kids working I've, with you guys here at KRFY. I have heard. I think Jack Peterson is heading that up, our he assistant is. station manager. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, quite, quite exciting. It's always nice to get new, fresh voices and young voices on the radio. Yeah, and I already saw the kids practicing in one of our quiet conference rooms doing some tests on the radio and figuring out voices and how to do it. And it was really cute. They're very, very excited Good. about well, it. We're, we at the station here are looking forward to that. I do have a question. Maybe you'll know ham radio. I get the am, the amateur part, but what's the H? What's the ham and amateur? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> now, now we're going to have to go find out now. I know, you know. Now I'm going to have to bring up my phone and look it up online. Yeah. <laughs> Mark will be very, my teacher will be very upset with me that I don't know what it stands for. <laughs> I should know, you would think, but... Yeah, we'll have to find out. In fact, I think we've uh, for a long time talked about having on some ham radio operators on the show. So, we'll, well I will hook some. you up with Mark Weber because there he we will go. talk about it all day long. <laughs> Excellent. Let's talk offline about that. What what other fun, interesting, uh, dynamic projects do you have coming up? Well, we're really excited. Um, you know, for like just like everybody, COVID puts a, a hitch in everybody's giddy up for a while. But our middle school kids, our eighth graders, are finally getting back into a bunch of their cool projects they've been doing for a while. Our eighth graders are currently working on mock trials. They're studying court cases, and they will each become different members of a single case, whether it's a lawyer or the defendant or whatever those pieces are witness um, so that they can practice what that judicial system looks like um, and how it works. Our, um, our iLab is back and open. It's a space that we created where kids can build any of their projects. And so we just have, we have an electives class that's a Legos class that the instructor had the kids building Lego cars for a contest. And so there were all of these different standards they had to meet. And one was how far they could go. So the Legos teacher paired up with the iLab teacher. The iLab kids built ramps for mm. the Legos kids' cars to run down. And we had our first Lego race, ramp race, uh, just the other day. And it was a lot of fun. <laughs> it was a lot of fun. Uh, now, I remember as a kid, like, carving out a block of pine wood and mm -hmm. filling it with melted down lead so mm -hmm. they could go faster in a so-called soapbox derby yeah 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 it's the same idea it's just the legos box derby <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it's evolved <laughs> it has evolved but it was really fun to watch the kids work together and that's you know one of the things we're trying to do is build collaboration between people um whether they're 12 or they're you know 44 um yeah. we're trying to work on that collaboration so which is really kind of neat <laughs> Um, and then this spring, our electives department is hosting an Earth Day event, um, and there'll be yes. lots of fun things happening at the school. Um, I'm not even sure. They have a whole list of things that they were planning on doing. There'll be an art show as part of it. There'll be activities for little kids. There's going to be even like a clothing exchange, um, was my understanding, is one of them. So. Well, that would be fabulous. Um Undoubtedly on April 22nd. Well, we'll see. I can't remember where that lands to, on the, yeah. the calendar. <laughs> yeah, it's it's what it's one of those things is that, you know, we have all of our teachers doing all of these activities now, just like people in Sandpoint. You do all the stuff now to get prepped for when the sun starts shining a little bit more. Um, one of our 
high school science teachers, Misty Grains, she's getting ready to take a whole bunch of kids to uh, do some forestry projects. And it's, I believe it's called Treks for Teens. And it's put on by Scotchman's Peak. And so we're going to yes. be, we're going to be yeah. shuttling a bunch of kiddos uh, down to Ram Lake so that they can go be a part of that as well. Yeah, that's a great opportunity to engage with people in the natural resource industry, mm-hmm. the volunteers who teach that and learn mm-hmm. more about careers. And I believe uh, Misty also, or the school in the past, has entered the state forestry contest. Well, some of our, our sixth grade teachers have done that with our sixth graders in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Misty's really excited about this opportunity. When she did her student teaching, we kind of collected her because she did her student teaching with us and sixth graders. Um, she's an amazing teacher. I mean, our, our school is so blessed with such amazing individuals that work for us. Mm-hmm. Um, and we just said, well, we don't want to lose you. And she says, well, can I teach high school? We said, great. <laughs> so she's our chemistry physics teacher right now. She does a great job and she has this forestry class and is excited to take the kids and be a part of that. Sounds exciting. And, mm-hmm. um, as we, uh, come to the close of the interview, are there any things uh, we haven't talked about that you'd like to uh, bring up? You know, I think part of it is just really that, um, we, we get tucked away in that little corner from of where our school is down just kind of south of the county buildings. And, um, we want people to come and see us. We want them to come and take a tour. We might not be right for your kiddo. We might be right for your kiddo. We don't know. Um, and it's really helpful. People always have lots of questions. We love to answer them. So they have the right information. And now is a great time to come on down because it is open enrollment, uh, from now until near the end of March, it closes on the 23rd, um, so that we can start making phone calls on the 24th before spring break, which is always a fun thing to do before spring break. So, so in listening wants to come down and take a tour, maybe mm-hmm. sign the kids up. Uh, what's what's the best way to get more information on that? Why don't you just go to the school's website, forestbirdcharterschool.org. And don't forget, Forest has two R's because we are named after the named famous after. Dr. Bird. Yeah. <laughs> we each, um, just, so go to the school's website. You can read more about us. You can find the application if you're interested. And you can find the building's uh, two phone numbers, one for the high school, one for the middle school, if you want to call and come and take a tour. Very good. Well, uh, Jennifer Grieve, uh, Forest Bird Charter School principal, joining us today on the morning show. Thank you, Jennifer. Thank you for having me.